The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers are domineering, and their great ones are tyrants over them but it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of our Lord. Where would you like to be seated? It's a question that we always get asked when going to a restaurant. And my husband always refuses to pick the table because he says, I won't be happy and I'll always move to another table. Well, having the experience of recently going to the joyous occasion of my youngest son's wedding and as mother of the groom, I now have an intimate insider look at planning a wedding that involves a sit-down dinner and all that goes with it. And while weddings are for the most part a fun and exciting event to plan, it can also be, well, a little stressful. And I'm not gonna lie, there were definitely some stress-induced moments, not the least of which was the decision about the seating chart where do you seat people? The bride and groom fretted over many of the details, well, mostly the bride, but the seating chart caused many sleepless nights, no doubt. I mentioned to my now daughter-in-law that there was this show that I liked watching called The Wedding Planner, which was all about managing such stress with the help of someone who could create a wonderful event and relieve some of the work and worry for the couple. Each episode began with a frantic couple worrying about how to honor both sets of parents when they are still feuding since their divorce, or where to seat that weird uncle, you know, that one, and how to express appreciation for their friends who are seated perhaps way at the back. Well, each episode began that way it all ends with a beautiful and meaningful event. 
and everyone ends up on the dance floor having just a great time. Well, I am still enjoying pictures from my son's wedding and reliving many, many happy moments. Well, where would you like to be seated? In today's gospel lesson, James and John, who were not shy, asked Jesus directly for the good seats. We wanna sit right next to you, Jesus, one on your right and one on your left, imagining that Jesus would soon become the ruler, a king, and in his kingdom, sitting on a royal throne, they would fit nicely on either side. Together with Jesus, they would enjoy power, the favor of the people, and have a great view from the good seats. Ah, uh, being next to Jesus is where it's at. Imagine his popularity, popularity now. Well, just wait till he's in charge and ruling in his kingdom. Well, are you sure that's the table you want to sit at? Jesus asks. You really have no idea what you're asking me. And Jesus invites James and John in on a secret. So if you guys want to be seated next to me, are you sure? Because being next to me means entering into the suffering that I'm about to endure suffering, and even death. Are you sure you want to sit at this table to be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to endure? Well, the brothers are not deterred. Sure we are, Jesus, of course. Okay, Jesus says, but I'm not in charge of the seating chart. You'll have to talk with the manager about that. Well, not so long after they make this request, the other disciples get wind of it, and they are upset. They're furious with these two upstarts, perhaps secretly thinking, well, why didn't I think of asking for those seats? Jesus brings the disciples together for a family meeting and says to them, look, you know about the power-grabbing rulers those who are always looking out for themselves and force others to serve them? Well, that's not the way we do it, not in this family. Rather, the one who is greatest will be great in serving all the others. And if you want to be in the best seat, take the back seat and learn how to be a servant. So, where would you like to be seated? It's easy to join in with the disciples and get upset with James and John. How dare they be so pretentious? What were they thinking? At first reading this, they look so clueless, but perhaps we're too quick to judge. I've learned that if I have a strong reaction to someone else's bad behavior or a trait that irritates me, it's often because I have those same behavior problems within me, or that same issue is difficult in my life. As Caroline Lewis puts it so eloquently in her article on Working Preacher, she says, James and John are not ill-informed or ignorant. They've witnessed Jesus' miracles and listened to his teachings. 
they are on the other side of three passion predictions. They have been given hint after hint that following Jesus is not going to go the way they expect. What didn't they see? What didn't they get? Well, James and John are doing what humans do best, hoping and praying that the world has not and will not change as much as it already has and as much as they know it will. But there is no return to what once was after the heavens were ripped apart. There is no going back to life before the storm. Well, I wonder if I, if we, are not so different. After living through months and months of a pandemic and having our entire lives disrupted, some much more than others, we too may be pining for a better seat or at least a return to the way that things used to be. More predictable, reliable, at least with a seating chart so you know where to go. Perhaps we're most comfortable in our familiar pew, where I know I can be sure to sit at church, except perhaps now things have changed and I'm sitting at home, maybe even alone. Or the people that used to be in my pew are absent. We may wonder, will things ever return to normal? And perhaps a version of, if being a Christian doesn't get me a better seat or guarantee me a pass from suffering, why bother? What organization is at its very core, structured to serve and even go to death for the sake of the world? Where suffering is not exempt from the menu and dying to self is actually part of the main course. This is the church. This is the community of faith that follows the one who himself came to suffer and die, to serve, to disrupt the status quo, to turn things around upside down and inside out. Jesus' kingdom may look a lot different than what most expect. Jesus didn't come to the world to make us feel comfortable or give us a cozy seat, but he did come to be with us, no matter what that means, even if it includes suffering and sitting in some very uncomfortable places. As Jesus explains, he came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So some of us who are maybe a bit older grew up with an idea that Jesus gave his life as a ransom to mean that his death provided some sort of payment for our sins, either to appease an angry God or to pay the devil to release us. And I have to admit that I have some trouble with this kind of theology and maybe even with that word ransom. So I really like the way it's translated from the contemporary English version. 
And the word used rather than ransom is liberate. That Jesus came to liberate us. The word is litron in the Greek and it indicates that Jesus' death does something. It secures a release. So we are invited to consider how do we need to be released, liberated? And what is it that holds us captive? In our Bible study on Wednesday, we wrestled with this question. And we wondered about, are we signing up for a life that's filled with suffering? Or are we following a person in Jesus who is not afraid to suffer and die for us, to release us, when our own natural instincts would have us seek the best seats, Jesus' liberating love invites us to consider sitting with him. The most important thing is not where we are seated, but where Jesus is, where Jesus seats himself. Jesus sits with us when we feel alone, when we're suffering, when we need healing, when we need release from that which enslaves us. And he alone can liberate us. And he invites us to join him in this liberating work, to take a seat here with someone who is hurting and lifting up prayers with them for healing. We may find ourselves here in the kitchen with Jesus, preparing a meal to be served to the homeless. We may find ourselves sitting next to Jesus as we knit a cap to chase the chill, or as we take a bag to give out to someone in need of a warm cap. And we may find ourselves here, sitting at the children's table with children whom Jesus welcomed gladly. Or we may find ourselves with Jesus sitting next to an Afghan refugee, listening to their story as we walk with them through resettlement. Where will we be seated when we follow Jesus? Most likely, it will be near the back of the bus, in the middle seat, or seated at the children's table. You see, the most important thing is not where we are seated, but where Jesus chooses to sit next to us. And that's good news because Jesus chooses to come and be with us out of his great love for us. I wonder if James and John later in their life, after Jesus was crucified, died and rose again, if they looked back and thought about their request and remembered how brash and impulsive they had been, would they have reconsidered asking to be on Jesus' right and left, knowing what that meant at the end of Jesus' life? I wonder when they did encounter suffering because of their following Jesus, if they remembered his words and his example, and if that helped release them, transform them, to be able to serve and give their lives as James was martyred for his faith.
and John went on to write the Gospel of John and Revelation while he lived in exile. That same release and liberating love of Jesus that so compelled them is also offered to us. Today, we are invited to come to sit at the table of the Lord, to receive his body given and his blood poured out for us, to release us, to liberate us from sin and death and receive forgiveness and new life. All are welcome to come and sit at his table and here every seat is good. Thanks be to God. Amen.